So to this morning, I'm going to talk to you from a subject. Then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to pray. Um, and the title of my message this morning is, He Does Just What He Says He'll Do. Amen. He does just what he says he will do. He does, turn and tell your neighbor, say, he does, he does. Just, just what he says he will do. Hallelujah. Listen, that's just such a good word. I want to tell you a funny communion story, and then I'm going to move into my message. Listen, he was, Pastor Ellen was talking about how when, um, you know, a lot of times people didn't let little kids take communion and stuff, right? But I was thinking, like, I don't remember a time when I didn't believe Jesus was real and I love Jesus. And I'll never forget the first time I tried to get saved, they told me I wasn't old enough. I'm like, how do you know whether I know Jesus or not? Who are you to know whether I know Jesus or not? They would not let me take communion. I've been a preacher a long time. I didn't even know it. So when my sister was little, we would take a bath, and I would take the scope cup and make us communion when we was taking baths. Because I would be like, you can't stop us from taking communion. We love Jesus. And I'm saying to you, that's why it's so important that you don't try to decide whether your kids are having encounters with God or not. Because you don't know whether your kids are having encounters with God or not. And just because it took you to 27 to recognize that Jesus was Lord, don't mean your seven-year-old don't know that Jesus is Lord. And here's the thing. Even if you see kids and they're like playing church, they playing shouting, they playing whatever, ain't that better than them playing like they having sex? Ain't that better than them playing like they gangsters? I mean, the best thing you could, you could have is that somebody want to be a preacher, somebody want to sing on the praise team. So if your kids are trying to respond to God, don't steal that from them because when they're 13, 14, and 15, you will want them to respond to God. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Give you praise with much thanksgiving. We exalt you. We worship you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this day, which we mark as a day that remembers, that reminds us that you indeed did get up. We thank you that when you got up, you got up with all power. We thank you that not only did you get up with all power, but that you left us a teacher. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We ask you to speak to each of our hearts, allow us to be transformed, not just hearers of the word, but doers only. We thank you for the precious written word of God. We thank you that the word speaks, that it is alive, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we thank you now that the word will go forth and it will discern, it will change, it will transform. Father God, we thank you that you've given us the right to choose what kind of heart we have. And so we choose to have a heart that believes you. We choose to believe you. We recognize that believing is a choice. Father, we thank you that you are so faithful to keep your word and that you do everything that you say. We thank you that not one promise that you promise ever falls to the ground and does not come to fruition. So we speak life even over promises that people have thought that you have given up on. We thank you for a resurrection of faith, not just as not just a, a, a celebration of remembering your resurrection, but that our faith would be resurrected. Anything that you promised that we've let go, that we would pick it back up and that we would not be moved until we see exactly what you said. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this church family. We bless every family that's represented. We pray in advance that even as we travel home, that we'll travel home safely. We declare even over this week that it will be a good week, free from danger, free from harm. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We thank you that your peace resides in our home. We thank you that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. We thank you that great is your faithfulness and that you are faithfully watching over us. We thank you that we shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We thank you that we are the head and 
and not the tail above only and not beneath. We thank you that we are blessed going in and blessed coming out. We thank you that through Christ Jesus we are victorious. We thank you that we are more than conquerors and we thank you most of all that we can call on the name of Jesus. It is above every name. So by faith we command every disease to fail right now in the name of Jesus. We command every spirit of depression to fall right now in the name of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus even over sicknesses that have not been diagnosed yet. Even things they don't have a name for. For I read in my Bible there is a name that is higher than any name. So we exalt the name of Jesus. We put you in your rightful place and we declare that everything that is not like you will bow and die in Jesus name. Come on and give him praise. Come on and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on and praise the Lord. I wish I had somebody that just had a resurrection story in their life that had ever had God do anything in your life. The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb in our testimony. So one of the things I like to do is rehearse testimonies. And I don't just like Bible testimonies. I like testimonies that you can touch and feel right now. So I begin to think about in this church the testimonies that we got. And I couldn't help but think about Mama saying when they diagnosed her with cancer, and yet she here cancer free. Then my mind started reflecting, and I kept thinking about people that I knew that had a testimony. And I began to think about Tanya and Rod and the times that they almost lost their kids, but they danced today. Can you imagine to have your baby laying dead in your arms and have the forethought? to call on Jesus and see Jesus show up. I started thinking about the God that I know, the God that heals clots, the God that restores eyesight, the God that heals brains, the God that gives babies, that even when it look like you can't have a baby, even when it look like you had a miscarriage, and ain't gonna be no good, but then you walking and holding a baby because God does what he says he would do. I started thinking about people who went to jail and shouldn't have got out, but yet they here. I want to just remind you that God does what he says he'll do. He does just what he says he will do. I wish you find three people and tell them I don't know what your situation is, but what I know is that God does just what he says. God does just what he says. Now my next question becomes, is it anybody looking for God to do just what he said? Anybody believe in God to do just what he said? The question isn't whether God can do it. The 
question is whether you can believe God can do it. Come on, sit down, sit down. Listen, let's go real quickly to the word. Let's start with 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the ninth verse. Let me tell you something. I say this all the time. If the word don't stare you, you got to ask yourself if you're saved. Now, that's the real question you got to ask yourself. Because if you save, you save by a word. So when you hear words, you ought to respond to word. I was thinking about how even when a song has word on, I was riding up here this morning and I messed around and started listening to some old gospel. I messed around and started listening to Karen Clark Shear. And I thought I was going to have to pull the call because I heard her say there is a bomb in Gilead. He is a healer. Jesus is a bomb in Gilead. God is good. And if you don't think he's good, you don't know the God we know. Because God is good. Even your best good don't compare to how good he is. God don't just bless you when you get it right. God bless you when you get it wrong. God helps you even when you can't help yourself. When you weren't thinking about God. In fact, the Bible says like this. It says when you were a sinner, he had you on his mind reconciling you to him. You did not find him. He found you. You just became aware of the fact that you had been found. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the ninth verse. Ninth verse, sorry. Hallelujah. Man, I just love Jesus. It says it. It says, God is faithful. That's really all I want you to see from that verse. God is faithful. Well, well, what does it mean to be faithful? It means that God is somebody that you can rely on. It means that God is somebody that you can depend on with full trust and confidence. It means that God is more faithful than your mama. It means that God is more faithful than your daddy. It means that God is more faithful than your boss. God is faithful. Turn and tell your neighbor, God is faithful. We're going to do a little talking when we preach today. Now let's go to John 2 and 19. Because remember, we're talking about how he does just what he says he will do. This scripture blessed me so much as I studied over it this week because obviously it's Good Friday. It was good, the week of Good Friday. And there's just so much to be reflected on during this time. But in, in John, the second chapter and the, ninth, and the 19th verse, something interesting happens. If you look at John, the, if you look at the verse before, we don't have to go there. But what he says in the verse before, they say, give us a sign that we will know that you are who you say you are. And then he says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. Now, because they were carnal, they thought he was talking about the temple. And they began to talk about how it had taken 46 years to build the temple. But if you go down into verse um, 22, it says, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word. It says, so here's what happened. Jesus, they asked for a sign. Tell us how we can know that you're really who you say you are. He says, you will know it because you're going to tear this temple down and in three days I'm going to raise it up. Our whole pretense is that he got up on the third day. And then when he says that when he rose from the dead, it says that they remembered 
And what they remembered caused them to believe. What you remember about God will determine whether you believe God or not. But let's look at what the word remember means. To remember means to recall. It means to remind oneself. But here's my favorite definition of the word remember. It means to return to oneself. It says, so when you remember the word, it will cause you to be who you were always created to be. It says that the word, when it's remembered, will put you back where you would have been had you not forgotten. Hallelujah. It says, so he remembered this word, and they remembered this word, and this word, they remembered it, and then they believed it. See, the challenge for a lot of people in walking by faith is that you don't have a word. So you don't have nothing to remember to cause you to believe. There is a difference in thinking that you deserve to be happily married because you're a good person. And believing that you have, are deserved to be happily married because you read over there in the word it says it's not good for man to be alone. It is a difference in what you are standing on that will cause you to remember and to believe. There is a difference in remembering and believing that you have a right to make a good income because you're smart and remembering that you have a right to make a good income because he said he will provide for his children. And so the difference between us in crisis is what you believe. The truth of it is, is that anybody can appear faithful in good times. Anybody can believe they call to be married when they're getting along. Anybody can believe that they're called to go down a path when no doors are being closed in your face. Anybody can believe that their kids are great, destined for greatness as long as they're making all A's. But what do you believe when nothing looks like what God said? Because what you believe when, it look, when nothing looks like what God said, it's going to determine whether you ever see what God said. See, the challenge with a lot of new age people, new age meaning us, is that you have these sayings that don't match scripture. Now, you laugh about the old sayings that the old saints used to say. They used to say stuff like, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Well, if you read Mark 11, it says, if you speak to the mountain, it'll move while you climbing. Yeah, but y'all got y'all stuff too. It goes something like this when someone tries to tell you the word. Well, pastor, I heard what you said, but it is what it is. No, it is what you say it is. And it is raggedy because that's what you keep saying. So it's easy to judge what you consider to be the old lack of faith statements. But what about the new lack of faith statements that keep you just as far out as it kept them out? Because at the end of the day, the question is not whether God can, it's whether you will believe. Let's keep going. Let's go to Romans 4, 16. It says that they believed the word, the scripture and the word. I think it's so, wait, hold on, just before we go to Romans 4. One of the things I like about that is because... Yes, the scripture is inspired word of God, but God never intended for you to just live by what was written. So it's not just enough to believe what's written. You also got to have a word that's spoken to you. 
So I read in the word that God says that this is what my life should be like. Let's take health. We've been talking about health. I read in the word that the Bible says that he will take sickness from among me. I then ask him how he's going to take sickness from among me. The word that he says about that, that's my word. The challenge for a lot of people is that you want to pick and choose the promise and then do your own thing. So God gives you a word. Here's your personal word. Your personal word is you need to drink water, but you don't like water. So you don't drink it. But you quote that he would take sickness from among you. The problem is, is that you have a promise, but you have not entered into covenant. Because covenant is a relationship between two people. A promise is something that is given to one person that must be received. I'll give you an example. Anybody when you was young ever got a promise ring? If you old and got a promise ring, don't tell us. If you are over 16, don't you let nobody give you no promise ring. Promise rings is for little kids. We 12, we going to be together when we 24. It's not for grown people who don't want to marry you so they give you a promise ring. Anybody ever got a promise ring? If you ever got a promise ring, a promise ring is a promise to enter into covenant. It is not actually covenant. If it was, we got a promise ring, the court would just recognize it and you could file them on your taxes because y'all got a promise ring. You actually have to take another step and get married to be entered into covenant. So the promises that God makes is a lot like a promise ring. He's like, this is what I'll do with you if you enter into covenant with me. Here's a promise. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. It's a promise. It ain't a covenant till you say, yes, I believe. Amen. So he says, you have, so, so you got to believe what's written And what's written has to drive you to look for your own word. What is written should drive you to look for your personal instruction. All right, you say I'm blessed going in and blessed coming out. Tell me where I'm supposed to be going in and coming out of. You you can't just be walking in other people's house, moving the furniture around. Be where you're supposed to be blessed. You can't just claim other people's spouses. Well, I feel like we would be better together. No, 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 no. And depending on the people, you might get shot. And then you need a healing. <laughs> so let's go to Romans 4, 16. Say, I believe, God. I believe God. So it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise, might be sure to all seed, not only to that which is of the law, but that which is of faith, of which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us, all, of us all. Next verse. As I have written, I made thee the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, I want to insert here because people get worked up about faith, and then they think that faith means that you can just call whatever you want to call. Now, you can say whatever you want to say. But God don't back every word. God back his word. So, go to the next verse. Oh, let's go back to verse 17. Sorry, my bad. 
It says, as I have written, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. See, here is how God always works. God always gives you a promise that you cannot possess by yourself. He gives you a promise that requires your dependence on him to be able to prosper. See, when God gives you dreams, he's never given you a dream for you to run out and do it by yourself. I'm not telling you that you should work. I'm saying that he never gave you a dream for you to sit up all by yourself and figure out what you should do. He gave you a dream so that you would ask him how to get the dream so that he could download the wisdom so you could get the dream. Because even for those of you who think you have tremendous Mac gain, you can't Mac hard enough to get a woman that God didn't call you to. Now, she might step out of her identity and pick you, but as soon as she find her identity back, she going to leave you. We, we, we're, we're not that skilled to have God things without God. So he says, he says, so here's the deal. Everybody knows this about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they wanted to have a baby. They couldn't have a baby. They had tried to have a baby. They were old. Say old. 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 Say real old. Real old. So God comes to Abraham. He says, I am going to give you a son. The problem is when he tells Abraham he's going to give him a son, anybody can believe they're going to have a son when they're 22. Anybody can believe they're going to have a son when they're 35. But Abraham was 75 when the Lord told him he was going to have a son. Now, the truth of it is, is that most of us would disqualify ourselves for anything that we don't think is still reasonable because we don't understand how it would happen. But the whole context of faith is God takes what is not reasonable and makes it reality. That's what God specializes in. Does it make sense that you would extend your rod and the sea would part? Does it make sense? You know what's always interesting to me about Christians? If you're a Christian, raise your hand. You believe the craziest thing it is to believe. Let me tell you what you believe. You believe that one day an angel came from heaven, spoke to a little girl named Mary, told her that she had been chosen by the Lord to have a baby, to which she replied, you do know I'm not having sex yet. Angel said, don't worry about it. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you and overshadow you, and you're going to carry the Messiah of the earth. She says, be it unto me, according to your word. He says, cool. Holy Spirit overshadows. She gets pregnant, has a baby. Well, first, she goes to Joseph, and Joseph does just like most of us. Joseph's like, look, I'm not, gonna be, I'm not the daddy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you away privately. And then the angel has to show up to Joseph and say, no, she's not lying. The Holy Spirit really did overshadow her. She really is going to have a baby. And that baby really is going to be the savior of the world. You then believe he grew up and he never sinned. He went to the cross. While he was on the cross, he reached into 2017, saw your sins, put them on the cross with him, died, went to hell, took the keys from the devil, came back to earth, ate some fish with the disciples, left, told them to wait on the promise of the Holy Ghost. Forty days later, they got the Holy Ghost, and you believe that, but you don't believe God can get you out of debt. You believe that, but you don't believe God can find you a spouse. You believe that, but you don't believe it's a job with your name on it. 
he does just what he says he will do. Let's go to the next verse because we need to walk through scripture because I'm going to give you enough scripture that you can find your own word. Where my people go? Where my peeps go? See, the problem with sound people is that they do, it's amazing until something goes wrong, then everybody look at them. <laughs> Let's look at Romans 4, 22. You got it? We okay? All right. Well, y'all got y'all Bibles. Y'all should read. Here we go. Romans 4, verse 22. It says, Let's go to verse 18. It says, for Abraham hoped against hope. It says, we hope, who in hope again, if you can pull that up in the New Living Translation or the Amplified Translation, it's better. It says, he hoped, Amplified, go to the Amplified if you can. It says, he hoped against hope. Anybody can hope when there is hope. Hoping is easy when there is hope. What does it mean to hope against hope? You hope against hope when you are 100 and your wife is 90 and you still don't have a baby, but you won't let go of what God said. It says he hoped against hope. He hoped in faith. What does it mean to hope in faith? The only way to be in faith is to have a word. Not just from God, for anybody. I'm going to make it real simple for you. You're at work tomorrow, your car breaks down. You call me and ask me to come pick, up, pick you up. The problem is, is that you leave a voicemail message for me that I never get. So I never actually told you that I was coming. You may be hoping, but you're not in faith. Because you don't have a word from me that I'm coming. That's why it's important for you to get a word from God. Because God backs what he says. But if you don't know what he says, you don't know what God should be backing. So in most scenarios, it looks like this. God promised you a better job. Did he promise you this job? Because what people do is they hang their hat and then they get disgruntled because they feel like God promised me I would be married. Did he promise you that person? God promised me I would have a baby. Did he say this year? Let's go further. Did he say you would birth the baby? Because just because God promised you a baby don't mean that you go have a baby. Well, because, well, I don't want an adopted baby. Why not? You adopted. And if you feed anybody long enough, they look like you. Anybody, feed them long enough, they look like you. Just feed them. You come to my house, I start feeding you every day, you'll start looking like us. People be like, ooh, you look like the Stricklands. Feed them long enough, they'll look like you. What did God say? Now, what do you do when you have circumstances that go against what God says? Here's a great example. Let's say that God told you, this ain't true for everybody. But it's true for some people. Let's say God told you to live in Northwest Arkansas. He told you this is where you're supposed to be. But you can't find a job here. Now the question becomes whether you believe what God said or whether you believe what you see. Because what you believe is going to determine what happens next. 
Now, what happens for most people is that they begin to justify why it's acceptable for them to move because they cannot find a job. But what they people do is that they begin to call in a job to where they are because the last thing they know is where God told them to be. See, faith means I stand on what God said even when you think I'm stupid. The challenge for most people is that they're not willing to look stupid in order to rock after God. Everything I ever got in my life, I got it because I had the courage to stand when it didn't make sense to stand. See, you see our marriage now, but if you had seen it years ago, you'd have been like, you should break up. Y'all should get as far away from you, God, each other as you can. You don't even need to live on the same side of the country. The, The difference is I had a word. Now, some of you fighting for relationships you don't have no word about. You asking the Lord to save what he ain't never ordained. I'm just going to throw this in for free. If you didn't ask God to pick him, you ain't got to ask God to leave him. It's always so amazing to me how people who didn't get God... You, you didn't ask God to go to the job. Why you need God to tell you to leave? You just need to ask God to sing. To, I'm waiting on the Lord. No, you just scared to let go of what you got. So it says that Abraham, he believed God. He believed God. Go to verse 19. He hoped against hope. I love this. It says he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own impotence. The Lord told you you was going to get a house this year. But you consider your own impotence more than what he said. That's why nothing supernatural is happening for you. God is always looking for somebody who is willing to say, you gave me a word, I will stake my life on it. See, you don't really have faith till you're willing to stake your life on it. I, we used to do this example all the time in Conway. I'm going to do it right now. Chris, come here. Pastor Edwin, come here. I'm going to show you what faith look like. Most of y'all ain't got faith. You know what we're going to do. We've done it many times. Fall back. She ain't look. Fall. That's what faith looks like. I could put my whole life on it, fall. See, you think that you're too big for God to catch, fall. You ain't got a problem big enough for God to be able to catch. But watch what's happening though. Look, because they got a relationship and she know him. She know he play a lot, but she not gonna let her hit the ground. He not gonna fall. She throw her hands up and fall. She don't cross her hands. She don't hold her. She just fall. fall. Cause you got history. See that? See God will give you a word to help you get some history. Y'all go back to your seat now. See right now, Mish got history. God will never that they'll never be able to tell you again. You got history. God can say have three more babies. You got history. Now you and God got history. See, a lot of you read about him, but you ain't got no history. You ain't got no walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ain't, because all you do 
my God. John 1, come on. We're going to get on through. Because I got to get to my favorite part of this message right here. John 1 basically says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says, In this Word, it became light. And this Word became life. Not only did it become light, it becomes life. See, the beautiful thing about the Word is that it starts as a seed. I can remember when I first started walking by faith, I had no idea how my whole life could ever hang by a word. You mean I can trust you for my money, for my marriage, for my health, for my mind, for my relationships? You mean I can trust you for it all? You mean I can fall back and put the weight of all of my whole life on you? But because I kept getting testimonies, so he come through with a $20 need, you can trust him with a $50 need. He come through for $50, then you trust him for $100. He come through for $100, you trust him for $500. Then before you know, you trust him for your whole salary. Before you know, when God starts telling you to do stuff, you stop consulting your checkbook. People can, listen, you can always tell where your faith is by what you look at first. You always know what your faith is by what you look at first. Some of you good people, but when you get in trouble, you look at your mama first. Now, for many of us, you've lived off the prayers of your mama. But at some point, you need to learn to pray too. First John, in the beginning was the word. I mean, John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. Go to the next verse. I believe the word. He existed in the beginning with God. Next verse. And God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. So if you are in Christ, everything you will ever get from God will come from a word. That is why when people come and ask us questions, should I move to Atlanta? What did God say? Should I marry John? What did God say? What should I do about this? What did God say? Because God is only obligated to back what he said, not what you wanted. Let's go to verse 14. Because here's what happens with word. It says, so then the word becomes human and made its home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So Jesus was a word that became flesh. But God wants every word that he's ever spoken to become visible. God doesn't give you words for them never to become visible. But in order to be, for them to become visible, you must partner with God. How do I partner with God? I got to believe him enough to obey. Not believe him enough to shout. Not believe him enough to sow a seed and then go home and do what I did before. I got to believe him enough to do what he said. Isaiah 55. You learned anything this morning? Shout, I believe God. God. Tell your neighbor, he does exactly what he says. Every time. Every time. 
God always comes through. In fact, let me tell you something. No man comes to Jesus believing and does not receive. It is impossible for you to put your faith on God and not get a victory. No man ever comes to Jesus believing and doesn't receive. It is impossible to ever come to Jesus in faith and not get the result. I wish I had five more people that really believe that it is impossible to come to Jesus full of faith and not get what you receive. <laughs> Let me tell you the difference between faith and desperation. People in desperation come to Jesus hoping he can do it. People in faith come to Jesus because they believe it's already done. I only ask you because you already had the answer. I only trust you because you already proved you faithful. A, faith, a person of faith is coming because they know he has the answer. Who else would I ask? Who else would I depend on? Who else would I put the weight of my life on? Who else is that smart? Who else loves me that much? It says, let the wicked change his ways and banish their very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. What it really means is your thoughts are real low level. My thoughts are real elevated. So I'm not going to come down to your low level of thinking. I'm going to give you a word that's going to bring you up to my level of thinking. Because the goal wasn't for me to become like you. It was for you to become like me. I'm helping you remember who you are so you can return to your rightful place. Ain't nobody in heaven struggling to believe God. It ain't nobody in heaven struggling to believe God. Where did you come from? Heaven. That means that when you started this journey, you believed God. Say, I was born to believe God. Say, in my truest state, all I know is trusting God. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My, way, my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. See, what you don't understand about your life is that God is never trying to bless you just for you. He is trying to bless you because he loves you. That's why I hate when people say it's not about you. That's dumb. It is about you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He didn't went to the cross if it was just you. It's not all about you, but it is about you. So when God is looking to bless you, that's why God ain't never looking to give just basic, barely making it blessed. Because with a basic, barely making it blessing you can't bless nobody else from the very beginning his desire has been that he would bless you so that the blessing would overflow in your life and touch somebody else people who's struggling ain't got nothing to give nobody next verse next verse come on it says for the, as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways my thoughts higher than your thoughts the rain and the snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. See, the word, it'll feed you and it'll help you multiply. The word, it will feed you and it'll help you multiply. You'll start off with just a word for your marriage, and then the word in your marriage will start overflowing in other people's marriage. You'll start with a parenting word for you, and then that word will start overflowing and touching other people. And then before you know it, it's people all over the world who been touched because you cared enough to trust the word I love it. he says he always gives you something natural so you can see supernatural he says just like the rain comes down and it stays on the ground 
Everybody knows that. It's the cycle. We learned it in fifth grade. It goes down, goes into the ground, evaporates back up. It says that's what the word does. It goes down. It gets into your heart. It makes its way back to the Father. It goes down. It gets into your heart. It makes its way back to the Father. It goes down. It gets into your heart. It makes its way back to the Father. But then when the Bible says, just like in the natural, if the clouds be full, they will release. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, just because you haven't seen it yet, don't give up yet. Maybe your cloud just ain't full. Maybe your cloud just ain't full. Maybe all you need is one more confession. Maybe all you need is one more praise. Maybe all you need is one more seed. Maybe all you need is one more act of obedience. But don't you give up now because your cloud ain't full. When it's full, it shall release. I wish somebody knew what I was talking about. I wish somebody had ever had a cloud that wasn't really full and they just kept on believing God when it didn't make sense. I see Angel standing because she got a testimony how she wasn't quite sure what God was going to do, but she had a word and she wouldn't let go. And now she's living in the promise of what God said. Jesus. Next verse. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out. And it what? It what? It what? Now what we say in natural relationships is you don't get to say always and never. But God can say always and never. And this is what he says. My word always produces and I'll never fail you. My word always produces and I'll never fail you. But Pastor Sean, what about the people that was believing God? And they didn't get their breakthrough. How you know? Great example. We believe it for somebody to be healed. Whether you get healed here or go to heaven, you still got healed. Now the truth of it is we don't like death because death stings. We want everybody to stay. But how do you know the people you want praying to stay want praying to go? How you know that? So you feel like a faith failure. Over something that God never told you. Because just because you see everybody getting healed, like just because you see the word healing, it does not guarantee that healing is going to show up the way you like it. Let me give you another example. There are some people who get healed supernaturally. You lay hands, you get healed. You take communion, you get healed. Something happens, you get healed. There are other people who get healed by process. Who cares how you get healed as long as you get healed? Sorry, who cares how you get healed as long as you get healed? As long as whatever was in there ain't there no more, who cares how? Because the other thing is that you don't have the right to tell God how to take your journey. Well, God, you did it for so-and-so, but I didn't tell you I would do it the same way I did it for you. And, and this has been a Bible problem. It's been a Bible problem because when Peter, the Lord told Peter to feed my sheep, he said, feed my sheep. He said, I will. He said, feed my sheep. He said, I will. He said, feed my sheep. I will. And then God got to talking, Jesus got to talking to John and, G, and, and, Peter, and Peter says, what about what's going on with him? Jesus said to Peter, he said, it ain't your business if I have him stay till I come back. Hang on to the word I gave you. Tell your neighbor, say, learn how to hang on. Let's go over here to Mark. 16. See, you got to learn how to make the Bible preach to you. The truth of it is that the word of God speaks so good, you really don't have to preach 
All you got to do is say the word. It'll preach itself. I love this story right here. This is the story right here. I'm going to tell you a little bit of it. It is the story of the man who has a son, and the son has a spirit in it. And the sons, and he goes to the disciples, and he wants the disciples to heal his sons. And the disciples, well, they had power because God had given them power. They just didn't know what to do with the power they had. So Jesus coming back, and it's a crowd of people. Jesus like, what's up? See, you think Jesus was like, what is thou has going on there? Except Jesus wasn't English, so he wouldn't have said that anyway, right? And the disciples was his homeboys, so he would have been like, what's up? And this man came and he was like, I told you this church stuff don't work. I came here and I asked these deacons, I asked Kedra and them to heal me. They ain't got no power. They can't do nothing. Jesus turns to them and he says to them, he says, how long I'm going to be with you before you know who you are? Jesus starts talking to the man. The man says, well, here's what's going on with my son. He got all these problems. And all I want to know is anything you can do. Jesus said, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. This ain't about if it's anything I can do, it's about what you can believe. At the end of the day, whatever happens in your life, it's about what you believe. Yes. I'm not saying it to beat yourself up. I'm saying that if you believe in God for something you ain't seeing it, get more word. Don't beat yourself up. Beating yourself up don't help. Oh, I'm trying to stop cursing. I'm still cursing. They ain't going to never work. Get more word. I'm trying to stop fornicating. Get enough word. If the cloud be full, it will release. It will release. And then he says to him, he says, if you believe all things are possible, turn it to your neighbor and say, this year, somebody is going to get some stuff that today looks impossible. Will it be you? Will it be you? Will it be you? The question is, will it be you? See, I believe this year somebody going to get blessed. I believe this year somebody going to get their healing to manifest. I believe this year depression going to leave somebody and they ain't going to never come back. The question is, do you believe? So I'm going to say this. Govern yourselves accordingly. Somebody going to get pregnant this year. You should make sure that it's supposed to be you. Somebody go get pregnant this year. <laughs> now you see how people rejecting that word? They like, it ain't me. Now let me give you the practical application. Don't just reject the word. You better do the stuff that keep people from becoming pregnant. Because you over there binding, but you aren't protected. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Tell your neighbor, say the word becomes stuff. No, the word becomes stuff. What do you need the word to become? Because the word becomes stuff. A man was blind, the word became sight. A woman had an issue of blood, the word became healing. The people were hungry, the word becomes food. The word becomes stuff. Hallelujah. That's why I love the word. Hebrews 11. It says, now faith 
is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Is your life more moved by what you see or what God said? Are you more moved? Which one moves you? You get a bad doctor's report, what do you do? Because you can always tell people who love God, but they don't really believe the word. Because everybody they tell, they tell about their diagnosis. People who believe God, they like, hey, I'm not feeling so great right now. Can you release your faith and agree with me? Can you agree with me for healing? People who love God, but they don't believe in healing. Girl, how you doing today? I got strep throat. Last week I had ear infection. Every time I take the flu shot, I get the flu. These sinuses got me caught up. I didn't sleep good last night. I don't know how I'm making it. Faith versus what you see. Say, I live by faith. So it says that this faith, it becomes something. It beco- your faith will make it become something. People try to work their way into what God had. But if you're not working from a place of faith, you're never going to manifest it. You can work on a marriage all day, but if you ain't got a word, ain't nothing happening. You got to have a word. Your word. Your word. What did he say to you? All right. All right. All right. Let's go to Numbers 23. We getting close. We getting close. Shout out. I love the word. Say your more enthusiasm. What am I doing? I'm trying to get you to train yourself where your hope is. That when trouble is in my life, what do I say? I say what God said. When it looks like there's an obstacle to your dreams, what do you say? Say what God said. What did God say? What did God say? Because God does just what he says. That is the reason that if you have kids that have challenges, you should not speak against them. That is the reason that if you have kids that are going through, you should be declaring over your kids they will live, they will not die. You shouldn't be saying dumb stuff like you just go go to jail, you just go end up. You coming into agreement with the very plan of the devil against them. You ought to be saying, you may be drunk right now, but you will serve the Lord. Rebellion is not your inheritance. That's when you, see, you got to learn how to pray because you ain't got to be an old mother to learn how to pray like an old mother. You got to learn how to pray stuff like this. This man, one of the men can know your favorite prayers. Lord, let everything they do, let us find it out. It's not going to be rebellious. I ain't going to hate to see my kids coming in the teenage years. We're going to have fun in the teenage years. You decree a thing and it will be established unto you. What are you saying? Your kids fight a lot. You can begin to decree and declare. Our kids would fight so much more if it weren't for our confession. We'd be like, there will be peace in this house. We come against the spirit of discord. See, people don't understand. You kids fight a lot when they little, then they don't like each other when, you, when they grow up. And then when you die, they ain't got no connection to each other. That's why you got to see how the enemy wants to use that. It is not the nature. It is the sin nature that makes siblings fight. That's Esau and Jacob. That is not what God desired. Jesus didn't come to earth and fight with us. 
They like, ooh, she's so extreme. I am extreme. That's why I be like, we go live and not die. That's why we don't get the flu. That's why we not go die until our assignment is done. That's why we go be married and our kids go be married. That's why we not go ever be broke another day in our life. That's why sickness cannot stand in our body. That's why we will not give over to depression. We will never lose our minds because we believe the word. If you got to believe something, you ought to believe the word. Numbers 23, why should you believe the word? Numbers 23 and 19, it says, For God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. In fact, it means this. God made you a promise. You acted a fool. He still didn't change his mind. Let me insert here because for some of you, that's why you get messed up. When This for the women. Women sometimes hate on other women who didn't really keep themselves, and then they got a husband. And then they be salty, and they be like, well, I wasn't doing nothing. See, you think people get a man because they ain't doing nothing, as opposed to people getting a man because they believe God. See, it's a difference. I mean, they say Rahab, he can save another hoe, and he'll get somebody for it. But see, the problem is... Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. Psalms 119 and 89. Psalms 119 and 89. Don't judge me, whores in the Bible. It's in the Bible. In the context in which I used it, it is in the Bible. All I'm saying to you is that you should stop judging people because you don't think they walk as straight as you because people don't get promises because they walk straight. They get promises because they believe God. You better stop judging people because you don't think they walk straight enough. You don't get promises because you walk straight. You get promises because you believe God. How do I know? Because God still gave Abraham Isaac, but Abraham had went out and made an out of wedlock baby with somebody else. But God gave, see, that's what happened. See, now y'all be trying to judge the preachers, but the very preachers y'all be judging is preaching about people that was just as ratchet as they wanted to be. God said David was a man after his own heart. You mean David? David the one who slept with Bathsheba? David the one who had her husband killed? That David, a man after God's own heart. See, what you don't understand is that God don't give you nothing because you good. You get it because he good. And the truth of it is that if you ever understand that, you'll stop sinning. Because if you ever understand how good God is to you when you're ratchet, you'll want to live right. See, everybody won't tell their testimony. But the Lord helped me when I was in the club. I know he'll help me in the church. The Lord helped me when I used to have two boyfriends, one of them that sold drugs. He's helped me then. I know he'll help me with strict. He said he was not one of them. See, the great thing is that if God ever helped you when you was ratchet, you know he'll come through when you're living right. I got anybody, any recovered ratchet folks in here? Anybody used to be towed up from the floor? Anybody ever did anything, got stuff they don't want nobody to know about, but God helped you anyway? We almost done, we almost done, we almost done. You ain't going to do nothing but go home and eat no way. 
You go eat and watch some basketball games. We'll be all right. <laughs> Psalms 119. He says, forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The question is, is the word settled in your heart? It's already settled in heaven. Is it settled in you? Have you already decided divorce isn't an option because God gave you a word that that's who you're supposed to be with? Have you, no, has your decision that divorce is an option going to make you pliable when it's time for you to change? Because it's easy to be like divorce is not an option as long as that don't mean you got to change. As long as you're trying to put all the changing on them. But are you, it, does your belief in God make you pliable to God? Psalms 119, then we're going to go on down here to verse 96, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, I'm going to read it out of Amplify. It says, I have seen that everything human has its limits and its end, no matter how extensive, noble, or excellent. But your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into eternity. That literally means that before you came to heaven, to earth from heaven, God had a word over your life. All you got to do is show up at the right moment at the right time and the word from heaven will manifest in your life right now. Because contrary to popular belief, God is not creating your life as you live in it. In fact, because God gave you free choice, he had to look down every path you could potentially take and find a way to get you back on track. Your mess up ain't no shock to God. Your falling down is not a shock to God. The fact that this didn't work out is not a shock to God. The question is, do you believe that more than you believe God? Somebody shout, I believe God. Somebody shout, I believe God. Somebody shout, I believe God. First, second Corinthians 1 and 20. Why can we be so confident? The Lord works in mysterious ways. Most of them are revealed by his word. Most of them are revealed by his word. You don't know exactly how egg, meat, sperm, make baby. You get the general concept. You don't understand what really happens there. But most of the stuff that God does, he got, he, he's already revealed in the word. In fact, it says they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. It says that the word of God is like a treasure and that if you think it's valuable, you'll seek out what's in it and you'll find your answers. It says it like this. It says once you get more knowledge, that knowledge will help you get other knowledge. Well, that makes sense to you. You know that in order to be able to multiply, you have to be able to add. Knowledge builds up on knowledge. So every time I have an experience with God, that experience with God sets me up for my next experience with God. Every time God brings me out of this, it sets me up for my next time. And that is the reason that if you walk with God long enough, nothing by any means shall move you. You just ain't move. Now, that don't mean your emotions don't try to trip sometimes. You're emotional. Sometimes your emotions trip. Sometimes your emotions say, just kill him. You know what I'm saying? Your emotions, they get all worked up. Just kill him. Just kill him. Just kill him. And then you remember that God gave you a promise that you're supposed to live your life together. And if you kill him, it's not going to happen. Right. 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 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. It says, for as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes in him. For this reason, we also utter what? 
Amen. So be it to God through him in his person by his agency to the glory of God. This one time we do want to see what the King James says because it says it's simple. It says all of the promises of God are yes and amen. All of them. All of the promises of God are yeah and amen. Yeah and it's so. So you can choose to only have some of the stuff that God wants you to have. I want all my promises. I'm going to live a long life. I'm going to be happily married. I'm going to have more than enough money. I'm going to go to church with people I like. My kids not going to be raped and molested. I'm going to have everything that God says. We're going to live a good life. We're going to have lots of fun. We're going to love the Lord. We're going to still have more fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to kick it. We're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. While we was laughing, we're going to be at the park one day. See an older lady who back is in pain. Watch your two daughters who at the time are six and eight. Go over there and lay hands on them. They don't do no church laboring because they had to get off the monkey bars or swing. They was upset. They said, hey, be healed. They just start crying. How did they do that? Jesus. Jesus. We don't heal people. We just put ourselves in position for healing the flow. All right. Mark eleven twenty two. We got one more scripture after that. Shout, I believe God. I believe God. Say, I will not, I will not allow the promises of God, promises of God over, my life over my life to remain, to remain. Say, by faith, I take possession of everything that God has promised me. I will not settle. Say, I have a blood-bought right to have everything. No, you got to say it like you, like everything. I have a blood-bought right to have everything. That God says it's mine. That's why it's impossible to be a faith person and people not get aggravated with you because they think you cocky. It, it, it's not me, it's him. I, they used to get so mad at me. Every year they would say, they send a no home and they say they want to give your kids a flu shot. I ignore the first one. I ignore the second one. Then they have to call me. I say the same thing every year. I say, Jesus, I flu shot. Why don't my kids get the flu shot? The Lord told me not to. That's my word. See the difference? I ain't just decide my kids don't get the flu shot. The Lord told me not to, so I don't give them the flu shot. I don't care how many strands they talk about on TV. I don't care who else get the flu. I don't give them the flu shot because the Lord told me not to. That's what it means to stand on the word of God. Well, what if they get sick? Then that's on the Lord because the Lord told them not to. That's why if you walk by faith, you know, like, see... Like deep in my heart, like I really love gangster rap, right? <laughs> pray my strength, pray my strength. But like, I, I, I'm a hip hop babe, right? But, and and, and my, my, my favorite 
And if you, if you don't like him, I don't need your mouth. When you preach, you can talk about whatever you want to. But, um, but my favorite rapper is Jay-Z. And it's because he got a disposition. And people go, Jay ugly, but he got a disposition. That's how he got back. People be like, why she with him? Because he got a disposition. Faith people ought to have a disposition. There ought to be something about you that walk a little different. I ain't talking about whether you drink beer or not. Because you cannot drink and still be powerless. I'm talking about there ought to be something about you that when you walk into situations and the situations look dark because you created in the image of your father, you start, well, you go, wait, 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 wait. It's too dark in here. I'm going to need some light. Hold on. Come on in, resources. Come on in, house I'm looking for. Come on in, job, because I know who I am. So I call those things that be not as though they were. So if the Lord said I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have a baby. If the Lord said I'm going to have a business, I'm going to have a bit. I wish that you were here. If you know me, you better hear me. Everybody know we got five kids. I don't talk about babies. Like, I don't talk about babies. I, like, I don't really, I don't want your little baby in my house. My baby 10. I, everybody can dress themselves. Think about it. I, I touch your little baby. I go, ooh, that's so cute. And I go on because for years, my, for years I had a baby. You better hear how many times I'm saying baby. I was riding with Edwin yesterday and I just kept saying, I, I keep hearing the word pregnant. I keep hearing the word baby. Somebody go have a baby. <laughs> I don't want y'all to walk out of church. It's only your word if you take it. Mark eleven twenty two. Let's do these last two scriptures. Let's get out of here. Mark eleven twenty two. He says, and God and Jesus answered unto them, and he said, Have faith in God. This scripture actually has two translations. It says, Have faith in God and have the faith of God. Have faith in who God made you to be, so that you have the courage to say what God told you to say. There ought to be something about a believer that is simply not moved by adversity. See the real test. Kathleen got on a shirt today, and it says, Um, it says spiritual gangster. The difference between a spiritual gangster and a Christian is that a Christian, most little Christians, they just so nice and polite. <laughs> the devil just kick them in their face and they just go, I don't strike back. I turn the other cheek. But people who are spiritual gangsters, they like David. They see a giant and they say, let me get some rocks. They start picking up rocks. Nobody thinks a rock will knock a giant out. It don't even make sense that you would fight a giant with a rock. But what they didn't know is that he was proficient with that rock. And him and God had spent a lot of time tossing rocks. Now, I don't really know if David Aim was that good. I think he was skillful. But I think that when David started saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares defy the armies of the God? That, that's most, one of the most gangster statements in the Bible. He like, wait, 
all y'all hide. What? Who is he? And I believe God set up. Say, wait, I hear faith. See, the Bible is clear that faith will move God. God can feel faith. Faith will cause God to shift positions. How do I know? Because the Bible says Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. And a woman reached down and touched his garment. And he stopped what he was doing. See, God responds to faith. So I believe that when David started talking like that, God started leaning over from the balcony of heaven. He said, wait, this is about to get good. But then David made sure that everybody knew that he wasn't just fighting in his own strength. He says, you know, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He said, oh, he called on me. Let me make sure he got some backup. So I'm not sure if David really threw that good or if when that thing was slung back, if the Holy Ghost got behind it and started putting some correction on it, put a little extra force so it wouldn't take but one enough. I just believe in some things that's been fighting you. They've been giants in your life. You're going to make one blow this year. He says, have faith in God. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. So it can be what it is or it can be what you say it is. We go in with my favorite scripture because I couldn't even teach Easter if I want to teach this. Because I told you he do just what he said do. This, listen, Abraham really is my, Abraham, is, Abraham was my favorite people in the Bible, but David is my favorite gangster. But Abraham, that's because Abraham is faith. He's the father of faith. There ain't no faith greater than Abraham. Abraham is, Abraham is the reason. Every major religion flows from Abraham. He is the father of faith. But in Hebrews 6, there's this story over there that I like because it talks about who God is. So, and so the thing about the Bible is how the Bible is laid out is that all the story isn't told together. But if you start in Genesis 12, it says that Jesus, God says to Abraham, he says, come on, go with me to a place that I'm going to show you. Let me parenthetically insert, God is under no obligation to tell you every place that you're going. But you are under responsibility to follow if you want what he got. God don't have to tell you what it's going to look like in the next three years. God don't have to tell you what it's going to look like next month. Your job is to obey and to follow. So he says, Abraham, he says, come on, Abraham, come with me. Go to a place I'm going to show you. Abraham starts going. He makes some mistakes along the way. He gets out there. I believe it's around chapter 15. He says, who am I going to leave all this stuff you've given to me seeing that I don't have a son? And Abraham and God says, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham says, I'm old. And God says, I'm God. See, every time you tell God about your stuff, he say, I'm God. You say, but I'm broke. He say, I'm God. But I'm sick. He say, I'm God. So Abraham gets this son. But before he gets this son, because you got to remember that it's 25 years from the time that God promises him the son and he gets the son. Just, tell, just bump your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you might want to get you a little endurance. You got to be able to make it more than two weeks. You got to have more than some two-week faith. You, 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 you got to stop falling out with God every time something don't go your way. 
You got, well, I thought this was really love. It ain't love. I'm going back to the club. No, come on to church so you can pick right next time. I, I can't believe I got fired from my God, my job. God turned his back on me. If God turned his back on you, you'd be dead. You still here? It's still a chance. Come on, get on up. Get you a word. You got to stop falling out with God. Some of y'all is so schizophrenic, you fall out with God every time something don't go right. Your husband don't act right. You can't pray. You can't read your Bible. That's where you ought to be praying to read your Bible so you don't catch a charge. You got to learn how to stand with the Lord no matter what. So anyway, God and Abraham are having this conversation. At some point, he tells, God tells Abraham to come out and make this covenant. Old school way, you know. He got to bring a calf. He got to divide it up. Certain way you got to do it. Got to drain the blood. All that different stuff, right? And then Abraham got to stay up over it. He got to make sure you don't know birds get it. All of that different stuff, right? That's just a side note. You better learn how to protect your dream from vultures. Better learn how to stand over your dream. Stand over the problem. What, well, Pastor Sean, who are vultures? The people in your family who tell you can't have what God said? The people who love to bring up your past? Oh, okay, so that was, that was free. Okay, so anyway, what happens is, listen, I love this because I really love this because of how I grew up. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you how it really happened, okay? So, verse 14 it says, verse 13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Saying, surely blessings I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Verse 16 says, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath and a confirmation it is to the end, to the end, to them the end of all strife. It says, wherein God willingly more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled refuge to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which entered into that within the veil whether the forerunner is for us entered and Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek I mean that's that's pretty yeah this will really happen Abraham Jesus God Abraham God they hanging out late they having a conversation Abraham is going back and forth with God like you go back and forth with God when God is talking to you about a promise that hasn't manifested yet right he like, man, listen you said I'm gonna have a kid I don't have a kid yet how am I gonna know that I'm gonna have a kid God says, Abraham, I got you. God, how I really know that I can trust that you go do what it is that you said you could do? He says, Abraham, I swear to God I'll bless you. Now, that don't really mean nothing. Unless you understand and you grew up in one of the families where you couldn't swear to God. If you, could swear to, if you couldn't swear to God, then this story right here means something to you. When God was looking to verify his promise to Abraham, he looked around to see what he could swear by. He looked at the stars. He said, I made them. He looked at the sand. He said, I made that too. 
He looked at the ocean. He said, my creation. He said, what can I swear by to Abraham so that he know that I do what I say I do? He said, Abraham, I swear to God I'll bless you. In fact, this is how big the promise is. I know you don't really understand what it means because if you understood what it meant, you wouldn't be able to sit in your seat because this is what God said. God said, Abraham, if I don't keep my word to you, I will stop being God. He said, you can so trust me, I put myself on the line. He says, I swear to God I'll bless you. I swear to God I'll do what I told you I would do. He said, I put all of the weight of who I am on this promise. He said, when people go to court, he said, they ask you to say, do you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth? So help you God. He said, in court, you recognize that. As being an oath. He said, but I swear by these two things. One, I can't lie. And two, I give you my oath that if I lie, I'll stop being God. You don't know nobody who will make a promise to you and say they will stop existing if they don't come through and do what they say. That's why when God makes you a promise, you can put your whole weight on it. Because God is him. See, what you don't understand is that people exalt the name of God. But what God says in the word is that his name is only as good as his word. So if you exalt his name but don't exalt his word, you're not getting the full essence of who he is. That's why you've got to have so many names for God. Healer, Jehovah Rapha. Righteousness, Jehovah Sikhanu. Peace, Jehovah Shalom. Elohim, God of everything. It ain't even just one name that could capture him. We call him God because we don't have another word to fully encompass the greatness of his magnitude and of his majesty and contain within everything he is. is every promise that he made. And he says he will do it. And that's why Jesus, even though he was 100% man, was sure that if he died, he would get up. Because the Father told him before he left heaven, he said, you're going to go down there and they're going to put you on the cross. They're going to stretch you wide and they're going to beat you. And it's going to take everything i got to stay up here. But I'm going to stay on this throne. And then you're going to die. And then on the third day, you will get so I start like I finished. If you can believe him for that, you can believe him for anything. If he can be raised from the dead and take your sin, he can heal your body, he can heal your marriage. He can heal your broken heart. He can heal you from abuse. He can heal you from pain deep in your heart. He can heal you from rejection. He can heal you from low self-esteem. He can heal you from whatever plagues you. Because in fact, here's what you don't realize. You already healed. You already healed. You already healed. Get in expectation for manifestation. Everybody close your eyes. You can stand if you're standing. If you're in this place and you want to give your life to that kind of God, maybe you've given your life to a God before, but it wasn't that kind of God. You ain't know. You just was trying not to go to hell. 
The church is way more concerned about hell than God is. Jesus already defeated hell. Church is consumed with hell. God is not. Hell is already defeated.